Hey guys, welcome so much back to the Stan series. We are in part two of this six week series where we're learning how to stand strong. Now, if you know anything about Ephesians, you know that we're told by the Apostle Paul that we are to stand and we'll get to that in a moment. But the reason I'm doing this video series is because I really have felt compelled and convicted that in the day that we're living today, we have to stand like we've never stood before. We have to literally put on the armor of God. And I'm going to be honest with you. I have done a lot of studies. I've read Ephesians 6 since I was a little girl. There's all kinds of songs about the armor of God. But this time going through it, it's different because I really realize we're in a real war, like a war I've never been in in my lifetime. And when the Apostle Paul wrote this to the uh, church at Ephesus, he was actually in prison in Rome. So I want you to open up your Bibles right now to Ephesians 6. I'm going to walk you through these passages, but I want to set the stage for where we're going. You see, Paul was passionate about writing the church at Ephesus. He was explaining that, to them that they were going to have to go through spiritual warfare. And I always find it interesting when I read this. He must have been, while he was in prison, looking at this warrior. He was probably looking at the soldier who had the shield and had the sword and was actually the one watching him, guarding him nonetheless. And don't you wonder maybe if Paul thought, oh, buddy, you don't even know. You may have physical armor but I have spiritual armor. And I think what the Apostle Paul was doing as he was in prison in Rome writing this very letter to the church at Ephesus, he took these weapons, he took the armor, and he said, I'm going to write to you and I'm going to show you how you can have spiritual armor in these days. Not just that you put on this physical armor, which we'll talk about, but I want you to understand, listen to me, you have to understand that we are living in a supernatural war. We're living in a day right now that we have to battle with the weapons of our warfare that are supernatural. And that's what he's talking about here in Ephesians. So you've got to remember, these aren't just words that he's writing to this church at Ephesus. These are, this is war for him. This is him saying to the church, you have to understand that we are in a battle. Now, let me tell you right now, if you missed week one, go back because I set a stage for this supernatural war that we're in with principalities and powers and, and wicked rulers in unseen places. In week one, we talked about those three heavens. We talked about that first heaven that we all look to with the sky and the clouds and we talk about heaven. But that second heaven where actually supernatural warfare is happening, where demonic spirits and angelic spirits are warring, where thoughts are coming from and activities coming from. And literally there is a supernatural realm out there that we can see if you have eyes to see. And that's where this warfare is coming from. But then, of course, we know there's the third heaven. And that's where Jesus is seated at the right hand of God the Father. You can read about that in Revelation 4. So we know that there are these three heavens that the Bible talks about. And I want you to understand when I'm coaching you and I'm talking to you right now, it's because I want you to understand each piece of the armor, the power and what the Apostle Paul meant when he walked us through each piece and the significance and the power behind each piece. So tonight, today, whenever you're watching, we're going to be talking about two pieces. The first two that he actually makes reference to. We're going to talk about the belt of truth, and we're going to talk about the breastplate of righteousness. 
So there's six pieces of armor that we'll put on or pick up and we'll talk about those. But for today, we're going to talk about these two pieces and we're going to drill deep. So I want you right now to make sure you have a pen or pencil in your hand, that you have a notepad. Um, if you've checked it out, we have some notes that you can download. Make sure that you've printed those and you use that as a resource so you can follow the scriptures and some key points. But right now, let me just have a prayer over you right now. Let me pray that God gives you insight, wisdom, and revelation, that he shows you how to have the mind of Christ, the eyes of God, the ears of God. So Father, in Jesus' name right now, as we move into this supernatural battle, one that we don't even realize, Father, we think that we're warring against flesh and blood, a, a husband, a child, a, a, a friend, um, an economy, a president. Uh, that's not who we war with. You tell us that we war with principalities and powers. So give us the eyes to see and the ears to hear. Let us see what we do not see. Let us know how to fight this battle that the enemy has waged against us. And I just pray for everyone watching that you would give them insight, wisdom, and revelation in Jesus' name, amen. Well, are you ready to put on your armor? Okay, I'm really excited about this. Let's go ahead and look at our scripture together first. So let's start in verse 10 of Ephesians 6. We made reference to it last week, but I wanna pick up again. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord. So obviously he's telling us the only way to be strong is in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on what? The whole armor. Remember we talked last week, you don't have uh, a choice of what you're gonna buy. This isn't you going window shopping and deciding which piece on the mannequin you want. You have to put on the whole armor of God. Why? That you'll be able to stand against the wiles of the enemy. The enemy is coming after you. There's a target on your back, but you can stand in victory. For we do not wrestle with flesh and blood, but principalities and powers, rulers of darkness in this age, spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenlies. Now remember, go back to week one if you miss that. Therefore, he tells us, we'll pick it up here in verse 13, put on the full armor of God so that you will be able to stand against the enemy. Stand your ground. And he says, after you have stood your ground, having done so, stand. He's very clear here right now. Stand, stand, stand. Stand your ground. You know, you can't stand your ground if you don't know what you're standing on. You can't stand your ground if you're not educated, aware, empowered, filled with Holy Spirit, you can't stand. That's why we're teaching you how to stand. And then he goes on, if he hasn't said it enough, look with me in verse 14. Stand firm with a belt of truth around your waist and with the breastplate of righteousness. So let's start talking about the belt of truth. You know, I found it interesting. I've done a lot of research over the last couple of weeks in preparing these lessons for you. So I'm gonna tell you, I, I've taken this very seriously. I've studied, I've looked at commentaries, I've listened to some great YouTube videos, but I found it interesting when I put in truth, what is truth? All the different Google searches that came up were my truth, your truth, how you feel about truth, what's truth to you. Let me tell you what, Jesus Christ is truth. The word of God is truth. It's not subjective. It's not what's truth for you. That's the problem. Listen to me. We're living in a day where truth is what's ever relevant to you. If you want to identify as a certain thing, you can do that. That's your truth. Let me tell you what, we are living in a day of confusion and deception. The enemy is 
well aware of what we're going through and he is having a heyday. Let me tell you what, because we are all questioning truth. And I think that's why the Apostle Paul used this as the first piece of our weaponry to put on, the armor. If you don't start with the belt of truth, if you don't understand that God's word is true, that Jesus Christ is truth, then you are going to vacillate back and forth, back and forth. You're going to struggle with what is truth. It will be whatever's relevant for the day, whatever voice is speaking today. Oh, there is no truth. It's subjective. I'm telling you what, truth is is God's truth. So you have to understand, first of all, do you believe that Jesus Christ is true? Do you believe that the word of God is true? And we'll look at those scriptures in a moment. That has to be where your foundation. So let me ask you, what do you think truth is based on? Fiction or fact? Faith or feeling? Have you had a supernatural experience with God that it's changed your life? If you don't know him, and I don't know who all I'm speaking to, so I have to start with this. If you don't know the God of the universe that created you with his breath, that he spoke life into you, and Jesus Christ who gave his blood and his sacrifice for you to be redeemed and to be his child, if you don't have that relationship, then you can't know truth because truth can only be found in a relationship with Jesus Christ. Often truth is uncomfortable to hear, to be honest. We're living in a day right now, and I, I know it firsthand. I get all the social media feeds you do. I'm on all the news releases you are, and I get inundated every day, don't you, with story after story after story, and I just get tired of it and worn down, and I have to look at every one of them. After I read it, I have to say, God, what's truth? What's truth here? I want to be aware. Now, listen to me. I want to be aware I want to be educated. I want to know facts. I want to research because I need to be able to know what I believe and why I believe it. But it must always be under the grid of the Lord Jesus Christ and the word of God. John 8:32 says, then you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. The only way to put on the belt of truth is to know the truth that it's in Jesus Christ. And you know what I love about this verse? Remember when you read the word of God? Listen, this is so good. And I know I say listen a lot because I get excited. But I, I love this verse because he says, you will know the truth, who's Jesus, and the truth will set you free. I don't know what bondage you're under right now. I don't know what fear, what lies, um, what anxiety but whatever that is, is not of Christ because it's not true. Satan is a liar. He wants to destroy you. He wants to kill you. He wants to lie to you. But when you put on the belt of truth, you walk in truth. You walk in your identity that you are a son and a daughter of the Lord Jesus Christ, that you walk in clarity and purpose and identity. I love this quote. I want to share this with you. It says, give to us clear vision that we may know where to stand and what to stand for. Because unless we stand for something, we shall fall for anything. Every morning when you get up, and this is just part of my prayer, God show me truth. I mean, we all just went through this a few years ago when we were in the lockdown and we had to ask what's truth. 
Is this pandemic really truth? Is this COVID-19 really true? We knew people were sick. We knew people were dying. We heard about vaccines. But if you do the research, you'll find out that the enemy was behind this in a lot of ways. He was bringing fear. He was bringing lies. There was not science behind this. But we believed it because the spirit of fear came over us. So every morning when you get up, you have to say, Holy Spirit, give me truth. Give me truth to discern news release articles, things that are happening in my world, my very thoughts. God, show me truth. Our current culture operates on feelings. So we go back and forth. How am I feeling today? What am I thinking today? That is not standing on the foundation of truth. That is standing on fear and feelings. The Christian worldview is no longer the predominant worldview for our nation. Did you hear me? The Christian worldview is no longer the predominant worldview for our nation. The bedrock of truth contained in scripture that was once the way most people saw the world has fallen out of vogue. So the people aren't even using the word of God as truth anymore. They're using news releases or they're using administrations or they're using people's convictions. I'm telling you right now, no one can do this for you but you. No one can research truth but you. And you have to determine whether it comes from Jesus Christ himself and his word. I wanna give you some verses. We're gonna drill deep in some verses and take some time to do this tonight together, today together. Second Timothy three, and we're gonna do a lot of verses. So look with me, verses one through eight, second Timothy three, one through eight. But know this, know this. When you read the word of God, underline things or trying to tell you something, this is true. He says, know this, that in the last days, perilous times will come. Well, what will they look like? What will these perilous times look like? Well, you tell me if you think we're in end times. Men, women, boys and girls will be lovers of themselves. Hello, selfies. They'll be lovers of themselves. They'll be proud and boastful and blasphemers and disobedient to parents. If we're ever living in a day where the, the tail is wag, wagging the dog, so to speak, when children are telling the parents how it's going to be, it's today. Where we are unthankful and unholy and unloving and unforgiving, slanders without self-control. We have no self-control at all. Whatever you wanna say goes. You can post anything you want on social media. It's your right. Brutal, despisers of good and traitors were headstrong, haughty, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. I'm going to just say this. I feel like in our day to day, people care more about what's going on on the weekends and on Sundays. What's the greatest thing out there to do? And if there's nothing to do, oh, we'll go to church today because there's lovers of pleasure, rather lovers of God. Let me tell you what, there's a reason that Christ established the church. There's a reason that Jesus said, do not forsake the assembling together because you need his church. You need the bride. But the day will come in these last days where we seek pleasure instead of God. And look at this verse. It's so good. Having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof. We have a form. It looks like we're godly. One nation under God, which of course that's being taken away from us. We're Christians, we're religious, we have a form of godliness, but we deny the power, we stifle, we suppress, we're not releasing the power of God in us. And look what he says here, against such ones turn away. Mark these kind of people in your life and stay away from them. It's so clear in the scripture. This is where Paul's talking to Timothy, he's telling them, stay away from people like this. 
for this sort, look what it says, creep into the households and take gullible women captive and lead them into sinful ways of their lust. And then, and then he gives us an illustration. Always learning, but never able, listen, to come to the knowledge of the truth. We're talking about the belt of truth. We're talking about putting on the belt of truth. Always getting knowledge, always learning something, always reading the next blog or hearing the next story, but they aren't coming to the knowledge of truth. Why am I coaching you on this? Because you have to know truth. You have to say, Holy Spirit, show me truth. Show me the enemy's lies. He's so good at disguising lies. It's so easy to tap into the lies of the enemy. But Jesus brings truth. I love this. And verse 8 is really good. He names two people. He said, Janus and Jambres resisted Moses. So will they resist the truth. We are living in a day where people are resisting truth. They don't want it. Listen, how many times have you heard it? Whatever works for you however you want to identify, whatever you want to say, it's a free platform. Can't we all get along? Can't we all coexist? The answer is no, we can't all coexist. There is one God and one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus. Oof, I'm sorry. I just get excited when I read the word of God. So what we've been witnessing in our nation over the recent days is the result of what happens when feelings and not facts become our moral compass when feelings and not facts become our moral compass. So many are led astray by false teaching and disguised by popular ideas. I'm telling you what, there are so many, and we hate to call it out, but woke churches today. They'd rather, my husband, Pastor Phil, was just teaching our staff this morning, and we were looking at the book of Judges and the story of Gideon. And he talked about how they went and they hid in the caves. They were hiding in the caves. They didn't want to fight the battle. And I fear that our churches are hiding in the caves today. This will all be over soon. We can come back out. I'm telling you what, he called Gideon out. He said, come out from hiding. Be bold and be strong and fight the enemy. You have to know how to stand with the belt of truth. I'm going to give you another verse, 1 Timothy 4. The Bible says, Now the Spirit expressly says that in the latter times, some will depart from the faith. They're going to depart. That means people are going to leave the faith, not just leave church, but they're going to go, I don't know if I believe God today. I don't know how much I believe about God. I'm having people say this to me all the time, you guys. People that I never, ever thought I would hear them say to me, well, my views on God have changed. You know, I I think God loves everybody. I don't think there's just one way to God. This is what we're living in 1 Timothy 4. The Spirit says those days are going to come. They will depart from the faith. Listen, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of demons. That means they're listening. What did we just say? There are supernatural demonic spirits that are warring for your mind, your thought, your action, your very attitudes, your behaviors. They're going to listen to those demonic spirits and you're not going to recognize them as demonic spirits. They're going to come to you and they're going to tell you that you're all that. You don't need to go to church. You don't go need those people are boring. Oh, they're so right wing. They just talk about Jesus too much. All of these seducing spirits. You just got to figure it out for yourself. You know, they don't love everybody. They just love themselves. All these lies from the enemy, you have to know truth. I'm not trying to tell you truth. I can only tell you where I'm coming from, my convictions, my presuppositions, presuppositions, the way I read the word of God. You must do it for yourself. Listen, Jesus is truth. He will lead you in all truth. 
giving heed to these seducing spirits. It says, speaking lies in hypocrisy, having their own conscience seared as with a branding iron. I, I'm telling you what, you guys, you have, we've got to open our eyes to the word of God. The lies the enemy is bringing over us is captivating and controlling us. We must know the Bible. Let me tell you what, let's move a little further. He is truth. He is truth. When you put on the belt of truth, you are putting on Christ. When you put on the belt of truth, you're putting on Christ. The Bible tells us in Romans 13, 14, write it down. I think it's in your notes. It says, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ. Look and make no provision for the flesh. Why is he telling us this in the book of Romans? He's saying, you've got to put on the Lord Jesus Christ and then don't make any room for your flesh. You can't give space for your flesh. You can't give room for your flesh. All those things are stirring in your flesh. What I want, what I feel, what I think, don't make provision. That means don't make space for. Don't give it a place in your life. John 14, 6, we all know this verse. If you don't know it, you need to memorize it. Jesus clearly said, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. No one come to the Father but by me. I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. That is putting on the belt of truth. Jesus is truth, and he will never, ever counterdict the word of God. So how do I discern truth in my own life? Well, interesting, the Greek word truth, so in the original language, when you find truth in the Bible, it's, um, a, a, let me say this right, aletheia, aletheia. And what that means in the original language, it literally means unhide or hiding nothing. So when you read the word truth in the word of God, it's hiding nothing. You see, he doesn't have to hide anything. He is truth. He's not trying to cover it up. He's not trying to force it. He's truth. He walks in truth. He speaks truth. He is truth. We are attracted to truth. So he's not hiding anything from you. It conveys the thought that truth is always there. It's always open and available for all to see, and it's nothing to be hidden or obscured. Verse 13, what does it say? Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to what? Stand in the evil day. Take up the, take us and stand therefore having girded your waist with truth. This verse, look with me in John, if you don't have it already, 16, 13. And we talked about this in my last study on the Holy Spirit. And this is when Jesus was speaking to his disciples. And he says, guys, I'm getting ready to go away. Now listen, this is for us today. He said, boys, I'm getting ready to go away, but I'm going to send the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit will speak truth. Look what the verse says. When the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. See, we are living in the day where the Holy Spirit leads us in truth. So I can't be running after even somebody that I admire. Listen, there are some great religious leaders out there, people that I have followed for many years, pastors, bloggers, YouTubers, that I have followed their ministries for years. But I'm going to be honest with you. They've fallen asleep. They've become woke. They are not my truth. You've got to make sure that you're following after people that are teaching the word of God. And how do I do that? I do it by simply saying, Holy Spirit, you are truth. The Trinity of God, Father, Son, and Spirit are one and they are truth. 
So we live in the fullness of time and the fullness of revelation. Holy Spirit has come and he is in the fullness of time and the fullness of revelation. So if you're confused about truth, you simply put on truth. You put on Christ. You say, Holy Spirit, convict me, speak to me, teach me, show me a scripture, bring a voice to me, show me how to walk in truth. That's your relationship with Holy Spirit. But you know what I love about the belt, and you may not know this, the soldier's belt actually kind of had hooks on it, or, or actually like leather little straps. And on that, they would hook things on the belt. So maybe it was their water bottle, or maybe it was their sword or their knife. I want you to know that not only, listen, this is so good, and I'm going to go deep with you here, not only is the belt truth, but hanging on that truth are these truths. You are loved. You are redeemed. You are forgiven. You are filled with Holy Spirit. The God of all comfort is there for you. And every time you put on the belt of truth, you have to realize all of truth is with you and in you. You see, Satan is a liar and he wants to bring to you all kinds of lies. You're not worthy. You're not forgiven. You're not any good. You're not gonna make it through this. Your kids are gonna fall apart. You're not gonna have enough money. Your lust, your pornography, your alcoholism, your pride, your anger, your anxiety, all of the lies of the enemy that he's bringing to you are just that, they're lies. And if you don't put on the belt of truth, knowing not only that he is truth, but on that belt lies all of the goodness in Christ Jesus that is your truth. You must walk in truth. Now, when I talk about your truth, it's the truth based on the Lord Jesus Christ. It's on the truth that everything he says in the word of God is, what does he call it? Yes and amen. So I begin to speak over myself, Satan, you're a liar and there's no truth in you, but he is true. And in that truth is the truth that he loves me. He ordained me. He called me. He provides for me. He loves me. He forgives me. Many of you know I love to prayer walk. And sometimes I'm on a prayer walk and I just remind Satan how loved I am how much goodness God has for me, all the riches. And do you see how I'm prophetically speaking over me? I'm speaking life over me and not death over me. I'm speaking truth over me and not error over me. No one can do that for you, but you. So you're gonna walk away from the study tonight and you're all in your little groups, I'm assuming. You're going over your notes. I, I want you to take some time at the end for some discussion and our coaching time. But listen, when you leave that house tonight or you turn off this video tonight, you have to be alone with you. So when you lay your head on the pillow tonight and you say, I have to think about everything I just heard, begin to rehearse truth. Put on that belt of truth, which is that salvation is yours in Jesus Christ. All the goodness of God is yours in Jesus Christ. He has plans to prosper you and to give you good and not evil. You have to practice, and that's why this is so important that you understand the belt of truth. Don't let the enemy speak lies over you. Get rid of the lying, deceptive voice of the enemy that says you're not enough. Don't speak evil over yourself. All right, that's just the belt of truth. That's just the first one. If that's the only piece of armor we have, I think we could fight the enemy with that, but there's so much more. 
And I want to take the remainder of our time together today, and I want to talk to you about that second piece, which is the breastplate of righteousness, the breastplate of righteousness. So if you knew anything about that Roman guard, it wasn't just this chess piece. Back in the day, it was really almost like a piece that they would put their arms through. It covered their front and it covered their back. It was leather. It was thick. Um, arrows could not penetrate it. So it was really a shield around them. It was this breastplate of righteousness. Now we're going to talk about righteousness right now. And I'm going to tell you, I'm so excited. The Lord showed me something in, in the study of the word of God in this that I've never seen before. And I was sharing it with my husband, Pastor Phil, and he's like, that's really good. I don't think I've ever taught on that before. So I was like, yes, that's how I knew it was from God. It was him teaching me something that was fresh. Um, the Bible tells us that there's fresh manna in the word of God. So don't ever think that you know the word of God so well that there's not more for you to learn. There's so much more for you to learn. So look what he says here, stand firm with the belt of truth, which we know we have, but with the breastplate of righteousness having put on the breastplate of righteousness. So the second piece we're going to all put on every morning is we're going to put on that breastplate of righteousness. That breastplate is going to guard my heart. It's going to protect my wholeness, my well-being, my body. Righteousness. Now the word righteous means right standing, being in right standing with God. But let me tell you what, you are not righteous in and of yourself. Matter of fact, there's a lot of verses in the Word of God that says our righteousness is nothing but filthy rags in God's sight. So we're going to drill deep in this word righteousness right now. In 2 Corinthians 5, 17, we, many of us know this verse. It's going to be one of your questions at the end of our time together to memorize this verse. Um, but we are reconciled with God and counted as righteous before Him. Let me tell you what. Did you hear what I just said? Your righteousness is not in and of yourself. Your righteousness comes from God. That's why we put it on. Now, many of us today try to be righteous, and that word means we try to be good. I grew up in a wonderful Christian home, and my parents taught me at a young age um, everything from the Ten Commandments to you know, to be a good girl, you know, don't lie, don't steal, steal, steal or cheat or any of those things. And, and I'm going I'm to give my story here. I really tried to live a good life. I went to church a lot. I, I didn't get into a lot of trouble as a kid. I was at church all the time. I hung around with good people. But I tell you what I did. I, I substituted a lot of my goodness and confused it with God's righteousness. And I'm going to go deeper with this because I think a lot of people confuse their righteousness with God's righteousness. We cannot attain righteousness on our own. Romans 1.18, look at this verse. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness. So we know it has to be. Heaven is righteous and good in God's throne room. So the wrath of God has to be revealed on, 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 all, on all ungodliness and unrighteousness. Men who suppress the truth, there it is again, we just talked about that. They suppress the truth in what? Unrighteousness. We are living in a day, listen, listen, we are living in a day of unrighteousness, of ungodliness, of perversion. I'm going to go ahead and say this because I just saw it. One of my staff members just showed, showed me someone here in California that has a T-shirt, uh, uh, and it says, California, California, not California, California. This is a perverted mindset. We are living in a perverted mindset right now. There is perversion. There is unrighteousness. There is ungodliness. There is evil. And so what we do is we try to separate. Now listen, stay with me. We, we say, this is bad, this is good. This is God, this is Satan. You know, this is 
good and evil. We try to have this balance sheet, but stay with me. There's a difference in God's righteousness than the balance sheet that we go by. You can only attain righteousness by putting on the breastplate of righteousness, which is his righteousness. You cannot be good in and of yourself. Although we want to live good and righteous lives, there is no righteousness in me to attain. I can only be righteousness with God's righteousness. So let me get to the story I wanted to share with you. Remember last week when I opened up and one of the stories I referred to was the book of Job and it was how there's this battle going on in the supernatural heavenly realm and Satan came to God and said, let me go after your servant Job and he, he brought all of this affliction on Job. Well, I want to pick up Job a little bit today and I want to talk to you about this because I've never seen this before. If you open up the book of Job, which is right about in the middle of your Bible, when we think of Job, we think of people that are having a horrible day and they're under persecution and they're losing everything and none of us want the life of a Job. But I'm gonna show you something about Job maybe you've never seen. In verse 1-1, it starts out and it tells us that Job was the most righteous man in the East. He feared God, that he was righteous, he was holy, he was good. He did what was right and everyone held him up in high regard. He was kind of that one that everybody looked to. Maybe he was the Billy Graham of their day. He was the good man, the righteous man. Of course, we know Satan came and, and brought all kinds of struggle to him. He lost his wife, he lost his children, he, his health, all these things that Satan came. God did tell Satan, you cannot take his life, but you can persecute him. You can tempt him and test him and try him because something's getting ready to come out of Job that Job did not know prior to this encounter. So if you know anything, I read through the whole book of Job this last week. He has three friends. You know, we all have those friends. They, their names were Eliphaz, Eliphaz, Zophar, and Bildad. And they're all coming just like we would if we saw our friends struggling. And they're bringing him all kinds of advice. They're going, Job, my gosh, guy, you're going through a tough time. There's sin in your life or there's evil in your life, or you need to confess something, or just curse God and die. They're bringing all of this information, all of this advice to this righteous man. Can you imagine coming to the most righteous man and he's going through adversity, and you are so well acquainted with adversity that you're gonna to talk to him? So these chapters are going on and on and on, and you read through Job and you're like, enough already, enough. But these three friends don't have the right insight. Now here's where it gets good, and here's where I've never seen it before. I want you to see this first in Job 9, 2 through 3. It says, Then Job answered and he said, Truly, I know it is so, but how can a man be righteous before God? If one wished to contend with him, he could not answer him one time out of a thousand. How do you even talk to God? Listen, this is so good. He is so righteous. He is so holy. We have lost the holiness of God. We have lost the fear of God. We have lost the revere and the reverence of a mighty God. You go to Revelation 4 and you get alone with God. I promise you this happened to me. You get on your face and you go into the throne room of God and you just read and meditate and spend time on Revelation 4 and you will understand the holiness and the righteous of a mighty God. How do we contend and talk to a righteous God? All of a sudden, Job's stirring within him and he's going, there's no righteousness in me. There's only righteousness in one. His name is Yahweh. In Job 25, 4, then how can man be righteous before God? 
here all this, this time later, he's already in chapter 25 and he's saying again, how then can man be righteous before God? Or how can he be pure who is born of woman? He's struggling. He's trying to figure out how can I be righteous? He's calling out for this omnipotent, righteous God. He was created in his image and he's going, there's something lacking in me. I desire to know this God. Do you desire to know the righteousness of an almighty good God? Do you want to know that righteousness? And then it's so beautiful um, in verse 32, and this is where I want you to see, I've never seen this before. It picks up in verse uh, chapter 32, verse one and two. And that's after his three friends have come and give him all this advice. It said, so sitting nearby was a young man whose name was Elihu, Elihu. So these three men, three friends, Bildad, Zophar, and Eliphaz, ceased to answer Job because he was righteous in his own eyes. So let me tell you the story. This young, young guy comes along. I, I begin thinking about like our Gen Zers today and how our Gen Zers, let me tell you what, there is an anointing on this generation. There is an anointing. And this young man, Elihu, comes and he says, I've been watching you men who have been my mentors, my spiritual leaders, those that I have held in so high regard. And I've listened to the advice that you've been giving Job. And I'm telling you, you're wrong. I'm calling you out as a young novice. I'm calling you out. And if you read chapters 30, uh, 32, 33, 34, 35, 36, you read the story of Elihu. And he's saying, I have nothing to bring. I am young, but there's something missing here, my friend. You are trying to tell Job that he is righteous in and of himself. And he begins to present to them the righteousness of Yahweh. He starts speaking to them the righteousness of Yahweh. Then he says there was kindled against them. God comes. And in this moment, I love this, read through Job, spend time, meditate. God comes and he calls. He says, Job, come here. Three friends, Eliphaz and Zophar and Bildad, come to me. He looks at God, says, my wrath is kindled against you because you have tried to attain righteousness on your own. You have tried to tell Job he was righteous. You don't get it. Until you understand, and I'm telling you what, I know this may be blowing your mind right now because with our physical, tangible minds, we cannot understand this. You can't figure out the righteousness of a holy God. You can only enter into it. Do you know that he tells us that we enter into his rest in Hebrews 4? These are spiritual truths. And what happens is humanity, just like Job and his three friends, are trying to comprehend and understand righteousness. They're trying to be right. They're trying to be good. And he's saying, don't substitute your righteousness for my righteousness. You must put on the breastplate of righteousness. So he says, my wrath is kindled against you because you have tried to understand righteousness on your own. And then the Bible goes on later in chapter 42 of Job in verse five and six. And here's what happened to Job. After all the adversity and all the struggle and everything's been taken from him. And he literally, if you read through it, you go, how can this guy not curse God and die? He went through every single adversity known to mankind. But when he finished, at the end of the book, in chapter 42, he says, I have heard of you by the hearing of the ear, but oh God, now my eye sees you. 
I am changed. I understand that it wasn't my goodness. It wasn't my righteousness. I enter into that breastplate of righteousness. I put on the Lord Jesus Christ. I can only be righteous in and of myself. And I think it's so important. I just want to say to you, so many of of us, me, you, we try for our goodness to be the righteousness. We, listen, I'm telling you this. I want you to put this in the notes. We are not saved for, we are not saved by good works. We are saved for good works. We are not saved by good works. Some of you right now, I know, have substituted good works for the righteousness of God. But you are saved for good works. Once you're born again, once you come into a relationship with Jesus Christ, once you are a new creation in Christ Jesus, 2 Corinthians 5, 17, you need to walk in good works. You need to be kind and gracious and loving and all the things that the fruit of the Spirit is. The last teaching, if you've not seen it, go to my website, you can go to my YouTube and watch that series on Galatians 5. You need to be living the fruit of the Spirit. You need to understand the fruit of the Spirit, but you're not saved by that. You're saved to that. You need to be walking in that. Many years ago, my husband was talking to one of our elders in the church, and he had given an invitation at the end of the service, and people were accepting Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior and understanding that they now knew what it meant to come into a relationship with Jesus. And this elder of our church walked forward, and he began to weep. And Pastor Phil looked at him and said to him, he said, Tom, what's going on? What's going on? And he was weeping and weeping and weeping. And he goes, Pastor Phil, for the first time I understand. For the first time I understand what true righteousness is. He said, my whole life I have been substituting being a good boy for the righteousness of God. You see, my whole life I've been good. And I assumed I was saved because I'm good. I'm kind and I don't lie and I don't steal and my whole life I've been a good boy. And I was substituting my goodness for God's righteousness. That's why you have to put on the breastplate of righteousness. That's why like Elihu, this fourth young novice that came along, this one who listened to Job and Eliphaz and Zophar and Bildad and said, you guys don't get it. It's not your righteousness. It's his righteousness. We are saved by the righteousness of God to walk in the goodness of God. We are converted by his righteousness. Paul describes the Christian believers as those who have received the abundance of grace and the free gift of God's righteousness. I really want you to memorize that verse in 2 Corinthians 5, 17. You know, um, I'm going to close. I want to tell you a cool story. And as I was on my prayer walk, actually, this morning before I shot this video, the Lord brought this illustration back, and I thought it was very applicable. So I want to tell you this story before I conclude with the last verse. Many years ago, um, a friend came to me, and I had led her to Christ. And um, she said, Tammy, I want to give you a gift. She said, there's no way I can repay you for introducing me to Jesus Christ. My whole life has changed. My marriage has changed. My destiny has changed. My outlook has changed, and I want to give you a gift. And, and it was this beautiful, it was zipped up in this bag, and, and it was on a hanger, and I'm thinking, what is this? And I unzipped it, and I brought it out of the bag, and it was a beautiful, beautiful fur coat, an elaborate, very expensive fur coat. And she said, I want you to have this. And I said, oh, my goodness, I can't take this. And she goes, no, you must take it. 
it's a gift. It was mine. And I said, I can't take this. She goes, no, it was mine. I bought it, I chose it, and it was mine. But I am giving it to you. And I want you to wear this. And I want you to remember me. Every time you wear this, I want you to remember that I am in heaven today because of you. Well, I'm going to tell you what it was difficult for me, first of all, to receive it because it was opulent. It was expensive. It was, I don't go to that many places to wear this beautiful fur coat. And there were many years I didn't wear it because honestly, I was embarrassed. I didn't want people to think, what's the preacher's wife doing with that opulent, expensive coat? And then the Lord showed me, you're giving up a free gift. This gift was given to you out of the love of someone who wanted you to wear it. And I thought, Today, when I was walking, I thought, that's what righteousness is. It's a free gift that was given to me. It's the gift of salvation. And I need to wear it unashamed. I need to wear it. So if you ever see me in that fur coat, first of all, know that that was given to me. But know that if you're not receiving the free gifts of God, if you're not walking with a belt of truth, if you're not walking in the righteousness, the holiness, the goodness of God, then you're not walking in freedom. You need to receive all that God has for you. You need to walk in that abundance. I found this verse, I thought it was really cool. I had never read it in this. It's actually the you version in Psalm 24 verses three and five. I wanna read it to you out of this version. I thought it was really good. It said, who comes before the king? Who then is allowed to attend the, amount, the mountain of Yahweh? And who has the privilege of entering into God's holy place? Those who are clean and whose works and ways are pure, whose heart is true and who are sealed with the truth. Those who never deceive and whose words are sure, they will receive Yahweh's blessing and righteousness given by the Savior God. I'm telling you what, God wants you to experience his righteousness. That means that I can sit in the throne room of Almighty God when I read Revelation 4. And I am in that holy of holies with Him. I have received the righteousness. Listen, it's not your goodness, although you need to be good. It's His goodness and His righteousness. It's His belt of truth. These two pieces of the armor of God are so powerful. Make sure you understand the belt of truth. Make sure you put on the breastplate of righteousness. Do good works because you are walking in the good works of him. Well, guys, I hope that you have received as much as I have out of these first two pieces of armor. We've got four more pieces to go. I'm going to ask you to invite some people to, if you're not doing a watch party, do a watch party and then invite some people to be a part of this. Now, as we conclude, I think you have a few discussion questions, some coaching questions. I'm going to ask you to gather around in your group together or if you're alone watching this, go through those questions. I've written those for you in mind and take some time to meditate. Listen, we are in a battle, make no mistake about it. You must stand, stand with the full armor of God. Know all six pieces, you need to be able to recite them and to know them at the end of our video series together. I'll quiz you on them and we'll go through them together. But every day put on the full armor of God so that you can stand against the wiles of the evil one. Have a great day, I'll see you next time.